When is enough enough? We've all asked that question, and it turns out to be something we can actually calculate. When the consequences of taking a stand are equal to or better than your current situation, that is the time to act. For the goblins in the Boarfield mines, one simple act turned into full-on revolution. I'm Brian David Judkins, and this is Living in Fantasy. The life of a goblin is not what you'd consider long. At best, they live 30 to 40 years, and that's if they make it to old age. On the whole, goblins are often uneducated and physically frailer than most other races in the fantasy realm. In order to receive the benefits of the crown, they have to find work where they can get it. For many, that means working the mines. For mine owners, goblins have always been an attractive workforce. They're small, they respond to loud orders, and are seemingly impervious to noxious fumes. But the real tragedy is a feeling we all know to be true. Goblins are expendable, at least in the eyes of employers. Given their hazardous work conditions, a 30-year lifespan seems like an eternity. Goblins are notoriously bad at money. Their culture has no inherent concept of wages, and because of that, they have been exploited to no end. Backbreaking hazardous labor for next to no pay can only describe one thing. Oppression. In the 34th year of the Regency, an event took place that would come to be known as the Boarfield Riots. Practical historians would recognize it as a workers' strike, but history is written by the victors. Unfortunately, goblins don't keep a written history, so the particulars about the inciting incident are vague. We apologize for the lack of available research, but first-hand accounts illustrate a few similarities. One thing that can be agreed upon. Trouble began with a wage cut. Without warning or notification, the goblins at Boarfield Mines had their pay cut from a penny a day to a mere half penny a day. Now, when I say a half penny, I don't mean one penny every two days. I mean someone had the job of cutting pennies in half and distributing them among the workforce. Confusion ran rampant. The goblins soon found they could not spend half a penny. Even more aggravating, when they tried to fit their half pennies into a single coin, they found that equally impossible. Tension in the mines grew rapidly and built up to what the goblins now refer to as Stop Day. The account is such. After the wage cut, the goblins grew noticeably weaker as they had less money to buy food. Work in the mines slowed, which only caused more tension with the now frustrated labor masters. One goblin is reported to have collapsed, earning the angry whip of a foreman. 
Many of the miners rushed to the aid of the fallen goblin. The foreman testified, they rushed like an angry mob. But can we confirm that as truth? There seems to be a wide difference of opinion. The foreman swears that the goblins rushed him in a fit of anger. The miners testify that they have no idea why the foreman suddenly fled the mine. But they quickly surmise it had something to do with their numbers. All we have to account for these events is the credibility of each man or goblin's word. Without any record of charm magic or any evidence of a zone of truth, it's hard to say whose account is correct. But one thing we know for certain is that the goblins stopped working. One by one, they began to drop their picks and shovels. Goblins are none too smart, but they easily figured out that working for no pay sure is harder than not working for no pay. And so, with a great amount of confusion, the goblins simply walked out of the mines. And the Boarfield riots began with a quiet, quizzical walkout. No one really knew what to do. No large workforce had ever striked before, and definitely not a force made up of what many would consider to be inferior creatures. These goblins were saddled up to wrestle with Fitzel Boarfield, the largest mining magnate in the whole Central Ridge. This is a man who dines at the palace on a regular basis, and here he was side-railed by a mob of disgruntled goblins. Boarfield sent representatives to the goblin villages to try and talk some sense to the angry miners. They quickly learned, however, that goblins aren't frequent practitioners of common sense. Negotiations fell flat, and the mines came to a halt. Borfield made it clear he wouldn't budge. The idea of negotiating with goblins gave the man five ulcers right on the spot. What seemed like a masterstroke was anything but. The goblins were more confused than anything. They didn't have a plan, they only knew one simple thing. If they went back to work, nothing would change. The goblin villages suffered. Food ran out quickly. Many of the goblins had been fooled by the mining companies into using the company's store for rations. They would pay on credit, sacrificing their wages for daily meat and bread. The more the miners thought about it, they'd never really taken home much coinage at all. Many of them resorted to foraging in the forest for their own food which the Crown considers poaching. With the Crown now against the miners, their hopes of resolution were slim. It's already been established that goblins have limited brain capacity. It wasn't to be expected that they could hold out such a monumental standoff for very long. Warfield was confident he could starve them out. The need for food would override their sense of dignity. Fate, however, has her own timeline, a tapestry of life she weaves by the hour. 
One thing that no one seemed to factor in is the vast web that industries inhabit within the realm. When the coal stopped, the fuel stopped. People could no longer heat their homes. Blacksmiths could no longer fire their furnaces. The bakers couldn't bake bread. And the candlestick makers could no longer make candlesticks. The central kingdom came to a halt. An outreach was formed. Goblin experts were summoned from the northern mountains to help converse with the miners. A settlement was reached, although not one very profitable for the goblins. They agreed to return to work if their wages were restored. No pay increase, no new benefits, just give us back our penny a day. And so the Boarfield riots ended with a whimper. No deaths, no riots, just a civilized concession from an uncivilized people. It's hard to find a winner in all this. Can any party confidently say they came out on top? The goblin miners obviously suffered, but what about the wealthy? Fitzel Borfield lost a small fortune on the shutdown, and all he got for his bravado was a fistful of stomach pain. Even those not directly involved with the strike suffered. Perhaps we should siphon some inspiration from the miners' sacrifice. Even though it's clear they had no idea what they were doing, does that mean the message is dead to us? In the end, everyone just got cold, hungry, and sick. For the goblins, those conditions were the same, job or no. Enough was enough. And we should all be so lucky. We're not goblins. I'm Brian David Judkins, and this has been Living in Fantasy. This episode of Living in Fantasy was carved out of a goblin mine by Play Plus One, written and partially scored by Brian David Judkins, edits and mixing by Ned Donovan, additional music by Darren Curtis. We encourage you to check out our sister podcast, Encounter Party, in what reviews are calling the best D&D podcast out there. For more information on either show, head over to EncounterParty.com.